Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. This is Jeff O'Rear reminding you that we're still on break. Today, we're re-releasing episode three with the idea of opening our eyes to help us observe the truth of God's Word. We simply want to see what does the text say whenever we open our Bibles and study in this step of the inductive study method. We hope you're doing well and you're reading and studying of God's Word, whatever you're doing, wherever you are right now. Looking forward to doing some new episodes here in the next few weeks. Thank you for being patient with us as we've been learning from all of these as well. We'll be back soon. In our last episode, we introduced the inductive study method, which is a way of studying the Bible that Jeff and I have found very helpful for ourselves. We ended that episode with a challenge to evaluate your how. How do you default when you study the Bible? Did you find yourself relating to any of those poor methods? Maybe speed reading, like an indie car, just trying to get it done. Or maybe treating the Bible like a toddler treats his vegetables. I'll only do what I have to do or what I want to do. There's a better way to study, and so we're suggesting three steps. First, to observe what does the text say. Second, interpret what does the text mean to the original audience. And then finally, apply. What does it mean to me, and what do I need to do? Today, we're going to focus on how to do that first step, observe. And it begins with a very elementary but essential skill, and that is reading. That's right. We think about how long ago we learned to read and maybe being kids and looking through books. And and I remember in kindergarten, the little alphabet people they had hanging from the ceiling and Mrs. Q married Mr. U or something like that a long time ago. <laughs> but that is really what observation is all about. It is all about reading. But we do need to clarify that a little bit. So let's talk some about what we mean when we're saying the most important thing about observation is reading. First of all, we want to make sure we read for retention. Whether it's a high school textbook or a good novel or even the Bible, we've all find ourselves in this scenario where after five minutes of having our eyes open and moving across the page and maybe even turning some pages or scrolling on our phone, we realize we have no idea what we just read, right? Yes. (laughs) We've all been in that place before. And there's a gigantic difference between quote-unquote reading and what we really are talking about today, that idea of observing and is the second that we want to accomplish as we diligently study God's Word. If we are not reading with the intention to retain as much as possible, what we are reading, we are not going to be observing. So we want to read multiple times to help us with this. This helps us become familiar with the text, and the more familiar we are with it, the easier it will be to observe more of what it says. Maybe we're studying for a test, or we're when we were in college or high school, you would be studying for something, and the more you would read from your history book, surprise, surprise, it seemed the more familiar you were with the material from your history book. And when you didn't read from your history book, surprise, surprise, again, you weren't familiar with that. So reading multiple times is so helpful. Thinking about maybe just a recommendation of if you could read something from the Bible five to ten times in a row, that would help you to become much more familiar with it. Now, when we say that, we might think about this would be maybe more for like a New Testament letter or some of the shorter minor prophets, but this idea of reading something multiple times, even as much as five to ten times, is easily possible when you think about the sections or chapters of Scripture. 
So for example, you may not read through all of the Gospel of Matthew five times in a row, and maybe that's something you would try to do at least once. I'm sure you'd find some value from that. But if you are able to read just a couple of days in a row through the Sermon on the Mount over and over again, you could easily read Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through chapter 7, verse 29, five times in a row. Yeah, the idea is that we're just immersing ourselves in the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we pick up our Bibles and we might read it, read the Sermon on the Mount one time, and we say, okay, I've, I've read my Bible, lay it down for the day, but have you really observed? Have you really retained what's there? And so as you immerse yourself in it, the idea is we're going back to it over and over again to read it several times, not just one time, but repeatedly to just get yourself more and more familiar with what's there. So as we do you know, reading to retain as we read multiple times, we're also probably going to be reading with multiple purposes in that regard as well. When we think about this idea of observation, there are a couple of different books who talk about, you know, inductive study method and how to use that in the Bible, and they all talk about observation with having this type of idea. There's going to be different levels in the way that you would read the Bible. So, for example, the first one would be something like a flyover or a big picture. Think about You know, when you are flying on a plane or even when you're just up in a tall building, you're able to look down and see a lot more of the landscape than if you were, you know, on your hands and knees, right, looking at one single flower. So the value of doing that and doing something like a flyover is that it helps us to see big picture stuff. It helps us to see big themes or main themes that would continue through an entire section or even an entire book or entire letter. And before we examine individual verses, we want to do our best to try to read a book all the way through. So for many of the books of the Bible, especially thinking about some of those New Testament letters, this would have been how the original audience would have received them anyway. They would have received them all in one, you know, reading at a time. So this is something that may not be done super often, but as you start to do it more, you will see how each verse by verse fits together. And sometimes that's how we approach Bible study on just kind of a Look at verse 52, now verse 53. Spend a couple minutes on each of those. Let's look at what's going on in big context to help us with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that I did this very often whenever I first started studying the Bible, but the more I, that I did it and gained appreciation for reading through uh, you know, an entire Bible in one sitting, it really does make the book make more sense. You see the, the, the point that the author is trying to make and how each of those individual parts uh, fits that purpose and, and moves that point along. So it really is valuable. Absolutely. And again, this might be something that is new to you and sounds daunting, but we want to encourage you that you've got the ability to do this and, and maybe try that if you haven't done that before. But after we do spend some time flying over the text and seeing some of the big picture stuff, we'll eventually do want to get a little bit closer. We're calling this a ground level type of view. And really a big thing in this section would be the idea of trying to outline what's going on from what you're observing. You know, whether you're outlining an entire book at once, whether you're, maybe you're focusing on just a chapter that you're going to be preparing for to uh, be ready to be a part of your Bible class discussion and the upcoming or small group discussion of some kind coming up real soon, you want to break down the text into some main ideas. So for example, in Matthew chapter 6, you could have verses 1 through 18 as this idea of Jesus talking about practicing righteousness and who sees that righteousness, and who do we want to see that righteousness. And then in the rest of the chapter, verse 19 through verse 34, this idea of singularity and service, and how 
We are to trust in God and seek him and his kingdom first, to have no other masters, to be careful where we lay up our treasures and other things in there. Now, that's not every single detail, and there are more things to be fleshed out, but that helps us as we get on the ground level to see what's going on in this particular section. And again, outlining is very helpful in that, as well as asking what we're thinking about those journalist questions. We're familiar with those. Remember, we're learning about them in school, the five W's and an H, right? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Maybe questions like, who is the author or who is the audience? When was this written? Jesus is saying something, and maybe he's talking about his own death. How did that come to pass, and how did that play out? Or even, what is the encouragement? What is the doctrine? What is the judgment? Asking those five W's and an H type of questions of a text helps us at that ground-level view. So we want to recommend you keep a notebook handy. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. And jot down any questions or interesting facts as we're at that ground level. But then from there, we do want to dig deeper into the scriptures. And that's part of what this podcast came to be from, hearing that phrase about what does that mean to dig deeper. I think part of that relates to this idea here. We're looking for anything that stands out to us as far as repeated words or phrases, contrast or comparisons, any peculiar words or phrases, or really just anything strange. Those would be times to notice and to mark and to observe those things as we're in that digging deeper section of the text. So, for example, think about the word love. The word love is used 27 times in 1 John chapter 4 alone. That's more than it's found in the other four chapters of 1 John and 2 and 3 John combined. And so I think something is supposed to be noticed or observed about what John is saying mm-hmm. about love. Yeah, John's trying, to, John's trying to make a point about love there. I don't think I knew that it was found 27 times in that one chapter. That's right. I mean, it is there and it's repeated so much. Or even thinking about throughout First John, there's this contrast between light and darkness and how it's used, whether we walk in light or walk in darkness or who is light and who is darkness type of things. And so as we see that, we'd be worth observing John's point about what he's saying about those comparisons or those contrasts throughout the letter. So using those different levels of reading, as we're reading multiple times, as we're reading for retention, reading is just the foundation of observation. If nothing else from this podcast you get, hopefully you listen to these first couple minutes and understand the point of observation is that I need to read my Bible. But how can we do that? Is there a more specific way that we can help our listeners and help ourselves to understand that? When you're talking about these three levels, it reminds me of like a a parachuter, someone who's jumping out of an airplane, and right there he's at, I don't know, um, 6,000 feet. And so he's able to see the landscape pretty well. But as he gets closer and closer, he's doing more of, you know, he's he's zooming in. And when he gets on the ground, he's able to dig deeper into that one spot. So, you know, think of yourself as you observe, you know, those three levels. Think of you're jumping out of a plane as you're getting the big picture. Then you're getting more of the uh, ground level. And then you're going to dig deeper once mm-hmm. you land on the ground. So here are just some tools that you might find helpful during this observation step. And obviously the first tool you're going to need is a good Bible. I mean, that's, that's a given, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and don't, don't think that just, this doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter what Bible you choose. The one that you choose really can make a difference in your observation. So what mm. I mean by that is find a translation that is, is readable. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're going to read from the King James Version, be prepared for a lot of these and thous and phrases that you have to go find a dictionary to look up. The King James Version is an excellent translation, 
but it's not very readable. And mm-hmm. so find one that you can f- easily understand the meaning, like the ESV, or I really like to read from the Christian Standard Bible. It reads the way people talk today, and but at the same time, it accurately translates the text. So I would encourage you to try a new translation. If you feel like you've gotten stuck in your Bible study, pick up a new translation, or even just a different Bible, different format of the translation you already use. It's really surprising how much of a difference that can make. You know, just different wording or even different placement on the text can give you a fresh perspective. Um, One of the things that we might talk about later is that familiarity is one of the greatest inhibitors of observation. If you're familiar with something, you're not really going to be observing what's there, only what you're familiar with what's there. I mean, I think about, too, having something like an audio Bible. Uh, You Mm -hmm. listen to it on your commute, when you work out, when you're mowing the yard, uh, or even just reading aloud to yourself. When we think about what the eunuch was doing in Acts chapter 8, we see that he was reading the scriptures, the picture that he was reading that out loud and was taking that in. And that's how much of the Bible was intended to be received by the original audience, right? We would have people who will listen to Jesus preaching something like the Sermon on the Mount, or someone would show up to the church in Colossae, and they would read the letter that Paul has written to them, uh, and I don't think that they had you know, their Xerox photocopiers to make copies for everybody, to have that for the memo meeting. It was just listen to what's being said, and that'd be a new way to help us to, to hear, to observe what's being said, along with our physical or even digital Bibles as well. Reading can be really challenging, especially in our world today where we are, you know, we look for entertainment, we look for sound bites. Reading takes a lot of effort and discipline. And so if you struggle with, you know, just reading a physical copy, an audio Bible is a great way to just immerse yourself in the text. Another thing that you might find helpful is having a journal or a notebook. This is going to be your best friend other than your Bible itself. You know, as you are reading, you're observing things, you're making notes, write those things down. Um, how many of us have read the Bible and we, we come away with, wow, that was, that I really learned something there, but then we forget it because we didn't take the time to write it down. Taking that extra step uh, you with your pen and pencil to write it down can really help. I remember in high school when our teachers would assign summer reading programs and assignments, they would always include some kind of like journaling. And I always hated that because I can't enjoy the book if I'm having to write after every chapter, you know, my thoughts about the chapter. But it did teach me to be an active reader. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, the point of having the notebook is you're, you know, actively engaging with the text. So if you're reading a book through, like we were talking about earlier, then make the notes and just get them out of your mind so you don't get hung up or bogged down and just get it down and, and then move on. Along those same lines, one of the most helpful things for me is to print out the text that you're studying on a piece of paper and with wide margins, just have a place for you to make your own notes and get out your highlighters, your pen or your pencil, whatever your writing utensil of choice is, and just mark and underline and highlight, use symbols, question marks for things you don't understand, exclamation points for things that you don't you know, you're surprised by or just, you know, make notes so to interact with the text. So, you know, to use our our Sermon on the Mount illustration, print out Matthew 5 through 7 and just underline all of the references to the kingdom of heaven. And you'll be amazed at just how often that phrase appears or when God is called your heavenly father. Look at those contrasts between the Pharisees and their righteousness and what true righteousness looks like for the citizen of the kingdom and mark up those 
illustrations that he uses, like the log in your eye or the speck in your brother's eye, or plucking out your eye in order to uh, you know, prevent yourself from getting into lust. Just interact with the text that way. Yeah, that's something that over the past four years, it's not exactly through printing out the text, but some Bibles are designed to have a little bit wider margins and maybe have a little bit better paper so that things don't bleed through as much. But I've been doing some things that are related to, there's a, a program that's called Color Bible Marking. I'm sure there's maybe a couple of those, but there's a guy who has used particular symbols and you know with boxes or circles or underlines and uses different colored pencils for consistently throughout times and so you know throughout the new testament you're always going to circle the word love in red and so that's some of those things where you can notice some of that whether it's in the sermon on the mount or john or first corinthians 13 or ephesians or wherever you'll see love and as you think then maybe at some point you do want to do a little bit more deeper study into love and what that looks like, those things stand out to you. And that's such a big part of what we talk about there with you know printing out a text or having a Bible that you can do that and then marking it up. may not want to be your full-time Bible, so that would might be a little bit difficult to mm-hmm. you know keep coming back and keep trying to have those fresh eyes, but something that you can mark up to help you as you're at that digging deeper type of level. Another tool that we mentioned earlier is just an outline. So just to flesh that out a little bit more, as you do your flyover, just start with a very small outline. The the point of the flyover view, or really just even the observing um, step entirely, is about determining what is the single main point that the author is trying to get across. If you can determine the one thing that the author is trying to get across, then you've made a huge step in observing. And once you get that down, then find two or three supporting subpoints that the author is getting across. And then, you know, gradually add to that outline as you move into your ground level and, and digging deeper. And this is really helpful, especially if you're reading Paul's letters. Paul is very logical and he makes, you know, logical arguments. So those outlines can be helpful for that. Or if you're just reading the Gospels, you know, just record the sequence of events in the Gospels. You know, why did Luke put this event here at this particular time or, or Mark or whatever? And sometimes when you do that, you'll notice patterns or structures that will help highlight that one main point for you. So again, the, the big thing is just find the one main point. So these are just suggestions that we're offering, except for reading the Bible. <laughs> Obviously, that is that's a non-negotiable. Right. You know, that's not, yeah, that's that's not something we can throw out. Read, your, read the Bible, and what works for you after that, whether it's outlining or color Bible marking or you know printing out the text, may not work for someone else. But can you try something new or something different? And if it doesn't work after a few times, then move on to something else. But you, you've got to observe. You've got to get in there and see what the text says. Yeah, I'll say that I, I guess I'm very similar to high school Emerson, that I hate <laughs> journaling and I hate having notebooks close by while I'm reading and I've heard people for years talking about that and doing their Bible reading and how valuable that is and read material that talks about that. And I've just never implemented it. Within the past couple of months, I've tried doing a little bit more. And I'm probably, I'm by no means an expert on that. And I'm still not necessarily comfortable with it. But I, it is helpful to be able to have something right there to immediately when I'm done, either record some thoughts or to jot some questions along the way that, Lord willing, eventually I'll be able to say, okay, I'm coming back to this looking to get into maybe some of those further steps of interpretation or digging deeper or wherever I am in that process. And that wasn't always for me. And I'm still not 100% sure it's for me, but there's at least some aspect of that that's for me. And not everybody is going to be, like you said, 
the same type of thing, but everyone is going to be needing to read their Bibles. But as we observe, there's challenges along the way. There's either challenges in finding our why. There can be challenges when it comes to having poor, misguided Bible studies. There are some challenges when it comes to observation. You know, one of those ones we talked about earlier was that, you know, we're familiar with our own Bibles or we're familiar with our translation. And so Mm -hmm. I know what this says because I flipped to this passage dozens or even maybe hundreds of times before. I've read the Sermon on the Mount more than twice in my lifetime, at least. And so I've, I've read that before I know what that says. That might put a roadblock to keeping me from really being able to open my eyes and observe what I need to when I'm spending time in this part of the process of looking to just see what God's Word says. So when we come into it with the wrong mindset, you know, maybe it's just this, my eyeballs were unobstructed by my eyelids while my Bible app <laughs> was open on my phone as I scroll down. And so thus I've observed. Well, right. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Are we really retaining what we observe in those situations? Now that's the better question. Am I able to try to retain some? And we may not retain all of it. I can't tell you every single detail in the genealogy of Genesis chapter 5 and who all those people's names are. Maybe there are some people who can, but there are going to be some things that I can tell you about those shows of people who are leading us to Noah, or that shows that death is a thing that happens in the world, and I can retain that type of information. So what are some things that stick in the way? We're some of those challenges we face. We get stuck on things that either we do understand or we don't understand. That familiarity idea, we think about you know, I know what this has to say. I'm familiar with this observation, like we mentioned a second ago. That's very presumptuous of us to say that. Just because I've read this once before, I know everything there is to say about it. I think most good Bible students that we respect are people who talk about how they're constantly learning and constantly growing. That doesn't mean that, you know, they're at square one all the time. But that means that as they are good observing students, that they're able to mature and to see that just because I think I'm familiar with this doesn't mean that there's not more I can learn. For an example, when you come to Acts 2, verse 38, this is a passage that commands baptism for forgiveness of sins. And you come to this and you say, well, I, I know what this means. And this roadblock in your mind says, there's nothing really to understand that I don't already understand about baptism here. There, there's nothing that I can grow in my understanding about baptism. Well, Maybe not, but maybe there is something you can grow to understand about baptism better. And so, you know, it's being aware of those things that we are familiar with and how those things can prevent us from going deeper in understanding baptism or something like baptism can help us. So whether it's some of those things that we feel like we're familiar with, or maybe sometimes the challenge is there are things that we don't understand or don't feel we have any idea what's going on. You know, as we're trying to say, all right, You and I have been trying to implement this in our own Bible study. Maybe some of our listeners are going to try to implement this, and they're reading through a text, and they're just coming across stuff that they just don't get. We come across that all the time. There are things that I don't think that it's impossible to get, but maybe at the moment I just don't understand what's going on. So say we're studying through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and there it is. Maybe it's the first time I've seen 1 Corinthians 15, 29, where Paul says, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? I think every workbook and every class sheet I've ever seen on 1 Corinthians 15 has this as a question. And then that comes up in class, and everyone's just kind of silent, and nobody really knows what to say. And teachers, and I'm probably guilty of this myself, have kind of just mumbled through and move on, and and Mm -hmm. that's it. Well, we will say in the process of observation, don't get hung up on things that we don't understand. 
it can be tempting to say what's going on, what's happening here, and get too stuck on a rabbit hole, or even the other side of that being, I don't understand this and just give up. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some things sometimes as you're reading the Bible that you're not going to understand them, but keep pressing on and keep sticking with reading and, and observing. This would be one of those times where your notebook would come in handy. So if you exactly. come across that passage, write it down and big question mark there. Yeah. Or if you're printing out the text, big question mark there and then move on because being baptized for the dead is not the point of 1 Corinthians 15. It's about the resurrection. Exactly. It, it does mean something, but it's not the greater point. And once we understand the greater point, then we can go back and, and fill that in. Another example of something we're not familiar with being a roadblock is like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so often mentioned in the New Testament. When we read our Bible, sometimes we just have a tendency to skip over it because we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a roadblock too. Just as another example. Yeah. And one of those things in color Bible marking, I'm pretty sure it's a brown box, goes around references to the Holy Spirit. And I'll admit, I'm surprised to see and how many places in the letters, in the Gospels, that the Holy Spirit is referenced that I just never really noticed before. Probably because I trained my eyes to say, Holy Spirit, I can't understand that. You know, I've kind of always gotten the impression that that's just for somebody above my pay grade or we'll just never understand that. And I need to shift my thinking there about that. But when I'm observing, that'd be something to notice and to see and to make Mm -hmm. mark of. So be aware of those things that might be too familiar to us or that are so unfamiliar or so seem kind of strange that they might keep us from wanting to do that good observation. Push on past those things, whether you're using a notebook or just trying to use that fresh set of eyes and all of that process. Well, maybe you get into interpretation. We can talk more about what do we do with those questions. We'll get there. Lord willing, next week. But another thing that we can do and something that gets in the way or a hindrance would be skipping right to interpretation or even application in this process and the inductive study method. Sometimes we may not verbally or even mentally say, I'm just going to skip right to interpretation, but we do that. When we go into just thinking about, okay, what's going on here? This is the very first time I'm reading this text for getting ready for Bible class this week. And as I'm reading it, I'm just immediately starting asking questions. Okay, what's happening here? What does this mean for me? We need to make sure we're using careful observation before we get to those processes. There's an illustration we're going to try to use as we move forward through here, this idea of a crime scene investigator. If a crime scene investigator showed up and just immediately had conclusions of this is what happened, that person might be favorable by some, but in reality is not doing their job well. They are not giving a fair trial or fair weight to the evidence that is seen there and just collecting the evidence of what's happening. And that's really what observation is, is collecting the evidence about what God's word has to say. Then we'll eventually get into asking questions like, well, what does it mean? What is this implying? What is this, you know, show is the result of what happened at this particular scene. So when we're trying to just head first into application or even interpretation without knowing what the text really says, it means we're going to place ourselves in a very dangerous position. There's a chance that we could apply the text properly, and that'd be fine. But for that to be how we always use the Bible, that puts ourselves in a very dangerous spot. Like Emerson has said last episode, it's that careful observation that's going to lead to proper interpretation and then that good real-life application. So to overcome these challenges, we've got to open our eyes to observe what the Bible really says. And we want to encourage you to just do the work of observing. 
We've mentioned that this is work and that Bible study takes discipline. And so we have to discipline and train ourselves to observe first. Don't just jump into interpretation or even application first. You've got to do the observing work first. So poor or even no observation will lead to poor interpretation and application. There's a story told of a zoology student who his professor assigned him the task of observing all he could about this fish specimen. It's just a dead fish and he laid it out on a pan and he was told, observe everything you can about it. And so he started with the obvious, okay? It's got scales, fins, eyes, etc. And you know, then he looked at it some more and finally figured out, I, okay, I'm gonna draw the fish. And he showed it to his professor and the professor was pleased, but then he noted he'd overlooked the most obvious feature. So the student goes back and for hours he pours over this fish to the point where he's just hating it and he's miserable until he finally discovers that the fish was symmetrical. And so he took it to his professor and the professor was still pleased, but he kept urging him, look, look, and look. And by the end of the assignment, the student knew the fish better than anyone else in the class. The moral of the story for us wanting to study the Bible is don't give up observation too early. There's always more to see. When you think you've seen all that's there, you probably haven't. So discipline yourself, train yourself to keep looking and looking and looking. And our attitude is so important here. Our attitude as we observe needs to be not just academic, but we want to see with the eyes of faith what God is saying. Jesus healed a lot of blind people in his time. One of them in Mark 10, 51 was named Bartimaeus. And when Jesus calls him to him, Bartimaeus says, I want to receive my sight. And that's what we want to do as we observe. We want to just open our eyes and see. Blindness and sight is a lot of times a a metaphor in the Bible for unbelief or faith. And so this isn't just academics. You're not studying a fish. You're studying the words of God. And so we need that eager hunger to seek God through the words and the message that those words communicate. So don't observe with the eyes of your heart closed. Open up your eyes and Jesus can help us open our eyes as we look to him in faith. Amen. So here's the challenge for us this week as we end our episode. I want you to think about what was your text, the main text that was used in the sermon you heard this past Sunday, or whatever sermon you've heard recently. We want you to observe what that text says. Let's be a little bit more specific. Our challenge is to observe the text used in a sermon you heard from this past Sunday, or a recent sermon, at least three times. Once in a flyover view, once at ground level, and once as you're trying to dig deeper. Feel free to try one of the tools we suggested earlier in the episode to help you with that. We believe this will help us all become more familiar with the important skill of observation, reading and rereading our Bibles to learn what God says. Thank you for tuning into Working with the Word today. Next week, we'll talk about how to open our minds as we interpret what the Bible means. We'll need to do some of our best to remove the presuppositions that get in our way and look for God's meaning within the text. Until then, open your eyes and keep reading, retaining, and observing what the Bible says. For more about working with the Word or to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us and find us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. 